All right. Well, thank you for joining us for episode eight of 8-Bit Bytes. It has been a hot minute since we've done one of these. I apologize. That's my fault. Uh, this is Cliff. I was no, actually, I was alive. It was my dog that was dead. Like literally Easter weekend, uh, Hans and I were supposed to do not this podcast, but another podcast we're going to do for DLC. And I like texted him like three o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, hey, man, my dog broke his back um, and is in surgery right now. Can we uh, maybe delay this a little bit? So it's kind of screwed up a lot of my my extracurricular podcasting. Um, so anyway, but we're back. Eight bit bites today. We are going to talk about fighting games. I would like to introduce Dylan, who you have already heard. And I'm literally pointing to him even though he is literally not even in this house say hey dylan hey there you go and then we also have hans who's pointing this webcam which looks really freaky hi dylan's really high energy this evening he's super high energy he ate a big thing of popcorn and then a bunch of uh korean meat this afternoon so so tired go we, we had a lot of food. We had a boba tea after that. It was a, it was a big afternoon for us. <laughs> Dylan, you really need to stop that. It it's looks super really, weird. It's really weird. He's like literally like poking his webcam. And I don't know why. Like, I mean, I can put my finger at the same place. And mine just blurs. And his is super, super sharp. I don't like it at all. I got, I got better lighting. Oh, got better lighting in here. <laughs> anyway, today we are going to talk about what we've been playing. Uh, we are going to talk about a little bit of news. And uh, then we're going to spend some time talking about fighting games, which is an interesting genre, at least for me, because it's a genre that I play nothing in right now. Like, I don't remember the last time I played a fighting game. But, man, when I was 12, 14, like, I love me some fighting games. So, anyway, I have not played anything that is even remotely retro. I've actually played almost nothing that isn't not retro. But uh, looks like you guys have. You want to go first, Hans? Sure. So, uh, this kind of leads into our news, but I've been playing Diablo 1 because GOG put it out, and it's been amazing to go back into that and actually have the levels be generated randomly like you know they swore diablo 2 was and then it wasn't really but anyways. wait is diablo 2 not gen- randomly generated it doesn't seem like that no not like oh, diablo man. 1 was oh because i man I, I i have never played diablo 1 but i've played a lot of diablo 2 and all of those seemed like they were random to me so but who knows that was also like 20 years ago so and then there's a in one of our uh there's a sierra facebook group for the old sierra games and people have been doing some playthroughs and that you know got me excited so i've been playing through quest for glory the original or what used to be called heroes quest before they got sued by hasbro wait Um, what really yeah so (laughs) you remember the heroes quest game from back in the day it was a board game that hasbro put out and you know it had little figures and orcs and stuff that you would fight and then sierra put out the game heroes quest hasbro sued them and they had to change that series to call be called quest for glory i did not know it's always been quest for glory for me like since i i've heard of it how how is that's actually one of the very few um like sierra games of that time that i have not played what kind of game is that um it is very dungeons and dragons-esque um the first one's kind of set in a fantasy setting they're kind of neat the second one's actually set in like an arabian kind of setting but uh, the first one's nice because it has a VGA remake with the mouse support, so it's a little easier to play. You know, it's still VGA graphics, but it's, you know, it's upgraded slightly. So, Is it like turn-based combat or? No, it's actually really the the little combat that you do is very annoying and um, time-based clicky. Oh. Which is difficult. So, for so does it have the same kind of feel then as like the King's Quests and the? It does, yeah. It's the same kind of puzzle games that kind of thing, but it does oh. have some fighting in it. And you get to choose between a wizard, a rogue, and a, you know, a fighter. So Interesting. Interesting. It's, yeah. It's a lot of fun. I, I think I have a I bought a Sierra pack that had all of those in it from Humble like two years ago, but I I've, I've only played King's Quest. I bought it for the new King's Quest. King's Quest I think it's just called King's Quest actually, which is a lot of fun. But maybe I'll maybe I'll give it a try. You've been playing some some pinball? Yeah, just just my pinball machines we've been had a couple parties here so everything's been turned on and so i've been playing that so you got to tell us about your son's birthday party because that was like maybe the most amazing thing i've ever heard so he it was yesterday he asked for a smash party you know he loves super smash brothers as most of those kids do so it just turns out that i have smash for every system so i was able to you know bring out my consoles into the arcade and set them up on the bar so we had you know the n64 smash we had gamecube smash we had the switch smash up on the you know the projector so you know switch smash was at 12 foot the others were playing on old crts so that you know the twitch gamers that swear that the 
you know, playing the old games on a CRT makes a difference. <laughs> they were okay. A bunch of 13-year-old kids they were yeah. concerned. Well, the 18-year-old kid who swears up and down. The other Ooh. one, my godson. <laughs> he says it matters. So it matters. So Good we had that me. set up. And the arcade was on. It was, you know, five hours of just kids running around playing video games. It was awesome. God, that's amazing. Awesome. That sounds so cool. So you said you had every version of Smash except the GameCube. Game yeah, no, excuse me. Yeah, you're right. The 3DS. It's 3DS. That's so cool. Yeah, it's 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 t- if if I were Hans, I'd be almost asleep at his time. Yeah, so. exactly. I hear you. That's that is just so cool. That's so amazing. I, like I was really proud of myself one time when I was able to get three games of Sea of Thieves running in the same house. But that's that's <laughs> wow. not the same thing. I do. I have three Xboxes and three TVs. So that was that was that was pretty cool for me. But it's not being able to play every single version of Smash ever made. That's different. That's a that's a different kind of dedication. I like it. You know, I. I've been accused of maybe going overboard once or twice in my life. So, I in Sea of Thieves, I have as well. You <laughs> sorry, appear sorry. to be the king of overboard, but that is your best quality. You yeah, know. I agree. I agree. <laughs> it's good stuff. Uh, anything else? I mean, you know, I it is in the arcade. You know, I don't have, like I've said many times, I don't actually play my arcade games. I fix them. So I was in the guts of Spy Hunter trying to get that working before the party, and you know, a couple hours worth of work and got it up and running so we actually had every game in the arcade running which was hot dope yeah you showed me what was it you fixed because you showed me the boards oh it was the power supply oh that's cool they're so tiny and green i love it well the the new ones are the old ones here you know half the cabinet but (laughs) love it how about Uh, you dylan yeah oh go ahead no i want to hear from dylan well i played something that Hans informed me it's called Mechanical Pong. I don't know if that is its technical term. I didn't actually notice a name on the machine. Um, but it was Tabletop Pong, but fueled by magnets, I guess, is is my best guess. Um, Magic. Magic. It's kind of hard to explain other than it is like Pong, but you actually see a cube moving around and you hit it with two rectangular cubes um, as if Pong was 3D and in front of you. And... Um, so this isn't on a monitor, right? So you got to no, say it's, that, right? So it's like, like it's mechanical pong, like a yeah. pinball machine or air hockey or any other like real. It's it was so mind blowing to like see it, and sure, it's not that complicated. It's as complicated as pong. Um, which well, no, but the mechanicals, I have no idea how they get I the magnets. I have and no stuff idea. Like I mean, it was cool how you moved your little. I'm going to call it the paddle. Um, it was a rotating tourney wheel. Um, there's got to be spinner. a better spinner. And you would spin it. And it, depending on Hence how the name. fast you would spin it, it could accelerate at different speeds. Um, and it was super neat. Uh, if you ever see one of these, please play it because... I don't know why it caught my eye other than it was like Pong, but in real life. And I sat down and we just couldn't stop playing it. We had like an unlimited card to keep swiping and we just sat there and kept playing it. And it has three different difficulties. So if you crank the difficulty up, it just means it moves faster. Um, So the ball, ball cube um, (laughs) will move at higher speeds, which is quite challenging when you put it on like the expert or hard level or whatever um it moves pretty fast and it's it can be pretty challenging to keep up with but if you start on easy and kind of get the feel for the the spinner um you can really kind of get the volleys going and it's pretty it's pretty satisfying um so that is the coolest new retro thing i've retroed lately so if you want to check out videos of that, it's uh, tablepongproject.com. And if you really like it, you can buy it. But it's They're expensive. what, three grand? Three grand for the for the home version, yeah. So how do you have any idea how they work? I'd need to tear one apart and check it out. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I know it's magnets because I saw so, – like this is it, in one of those kind of, you know, how every once in a while you'll have that experience where you've never heard of something and then you hear about it and then you hear about it everywhere um i read about one of these on twitter maybe two or three days ago and then dylan was like hey i played mechanical pong i'm like that's weird um it was so cool i know they use magnets because the person that 
uh, I talked about it, said they they use magnets. So I don't know. This says five motors drive the mechanism combining logic to simulate the 2D physics of the original game. So I have no idea. Wait, you can play it against AI too, Dylan? Yeah, there was a single player or two player. I didn't try out the single player. I probably should have just because that would have been surreal uh, yeah. <laughs> to, to play against. I Yeah, I don't. It says the table operates using trolleys and magnets, which I think is just so bizarre. Um, this was a Kickstarter originally? It was, yeah. Uh, just a couple of years ago. Wacky. So I guess if you are in the general Seattle area and you want to try one of these, you can go to... Uh, it was the bowling alley uh, in South Center Mall, Dylan? Yeah. Um, it's called Round One. They just put it in there recently um, yeah, it's, been there maybe. it's essentially like a, a big dave and busters kind of thing but with a bowling alley but they do have a lot of arcade games um Anything so we played some there? stuff but once we sat down at that pong it was that was it that was the thing to do is it very dave and busters where it's mostly like shooting games and and redemption it was games? a lot of ticket games even yeah. to the point where it's like i wanted to play that game but it was a ticket game so we couldn't because we had like cards that basically allowed you to play certain games the yeah. blue and the green ones and the blue and the green ones are the ones that don't dispense tickets i've been really disappointed with um those types of arcades recently where we used to go to um gameworks a lot and we've been to dave and busters a couple times and it seems like now that you go they're like 60 70 percent ticket redemption games and then like 30 percent you know where you're holding a gun and shooting at things games right. and then just a sprinkling of of other little stuff and it, it like game work specifically has has changed a, t- a lot of what their games from what they used to be to what they're now it's, it's very disappointing yeah. so oh well gotta go to portland and we'll go to uh ground zero ground control yes. ground control sorry ground control. or come I've been to like, chicago and i'll take you to gallop and ghost 712 games see that's that's what i need in my life that's 15 bucks all day mm, that's perfect 15 bucks really god gameworks is so much more than that <laughs> <laughs> oh well all right uh should we talk some news uh sure so you know i i like to talk about the arcade one-ups the little you know 300 cabinets that you know walmart target and those places you can get um I have one. I, we've talked about that at length on this podcast. But there are a couple that came out uh, in the last couple weeks. Actually, the Mortal Kombat 1 through 3 cabinet came out last week at Walmart exclusively. Uh, the interesting thing is here is that it's come out. People have said not only has the LCD been upgraded, but also the controls. So you actually, you know, you're going to be fight, you're doing a fighting game, right? So you need pretty decent sandwall yeah. sticks. So they're... They actually say the controls are, you know, arcade quality, which is nice because the Street Fighter 2 ones were not so nice. Now, do you think that was a response to their first run? Did they have I, time to do that? or? Yeah, I mean, it's been about a year, you know, since the other, since Street Fighter came out. So I'm hoping that's it. I mean, something made them to do it better. So that was nice. Um and then they put out the uh, the Data East cabinet, which actually we'll talk about a little bit. Karate Champ today, oh. uh, it actually has Karate Champ in it with both the, the joysticks for two players, um, which is interesting. But then it also has Burger Time and Bad Dudes, and then you know Caveman on. You know I don't like the Caveman game very much, but Bad Dudes and Burger Time are awesome. So. That's some quality stuff. I love that. Love that. Still not sure three hundred dollars for four games is yeah. Not when you have to be like four foot six to play it effectively. Yeah. Like if it was, I think the thing is if it was even, even with the stand, it didn't look like someone my height would be able to play it. And certainly not your guys's height. You need so two stands. Yeah. You need at least two stands or like really what they need to do is make those like wall mountable. So they, they have just... those now. They, oh, see. So they released those at, uh, not E3, what the CS, this last CS. Um, the, the wall mountable ones will be out uh, this summer. Now, though, that kind of worries me because, man, if you don't get that into a stud well or something, you can see that just being ripped off the wall. Yeah, that would super suck to be like like a super energetic game or something. You just like rip it off. You rip a huge hole in your wall and you break your game. Yep. That's, that's the kind of life I lead. I can see that. <laughs> I can see that. 
It'd be so many things to be mad about all at once, you know. And I, I rent. It would be a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> it would not be good. It would not be good. Now that cool. all being said, I may actually pick up the Mortal Kombat one uh, because right now, uh, with the with the return of the barcades and all the people, you know, opening up these places, Mortal Kombat's are in high desire. And while they were one of the most populous cabinets ever made, they're you know running fifteen hundred bucks. Ooh. Um, in good condition so you know picking up one of these for 300 and you get all three games in one eh, we'll see i have some i have some mortal kombat thoughts but i'll save them we're, we're oh, talking about mortal kombat in a minute so we'll get there yeah we'll get there we'll um get there so anyways a uh, couple other pieces of news uh i talked about diablo so on gog you can get diablo warcraft and warcraft 2 and play them across the interwebs so check that out they're 10 bucks a piece but and those run at 1080 right they do they still kind of they they upscaled them and they look okay yeah i wouldn't say you know i mean you're still they didn't really uh do much to them i guess yeah they're not uh like redos they're just like they've done a good job of scaling them yeah that's every once in a while i go back and think about playing diablo 2 and even with the diablo 2 expansion that gives you the higher resolution it still only runs at 800 by 600 and that's that's real rough on a 27 inch monitor. Like it's yes. real rough. <laughs> so Warcraft two though, man, that was my, that's probably the only RTS I've ever actually been. I'm not going to say good at because that means a lot of things. I will say passingly competent at. So, <laughs> yeah, but I have a lot of good memories of it. So, uh, so, and I don't, have we talked about this on here that command and conquer is being fully remastered right now? You know, I've talked about that somewhere, but I do a lot of podcasts, so it's very hard to say. But that's super exciting. It's not just, and it's like a bunch of Command and Conquer games, like three, four, five of them. I, I'm not sure yet. They really haven't put out that much information other than to say, like, Frank Klepplecki. That's a horrible, hard name to pronounce. But the guy who did all the original music for Command and Conquer is coming back. So, you yeah. know, EA is throwing th- money at the project, which is I awesome. I think it's one and two and Red Alert... It maybe Tiberian alert. Sun, maybe, but I, I, I yeah, I, 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 it's quite a few of them. So and those are I've never played any of the Command and Conquer games. So that, I was always a Warcraft guy. The the first Command and Conquer is where I really started getting yeah. into RTSs. So I'm excited. Um, but you know, so Sega with their Sega Mini, I think they're actually going to do it. I think they, you know, PlayStation kind of failed. We all saw that with their PlayStation Mini. Sega just announced ten more games this last week. Um, including things like Earthworm Jim, which is an amazing game. It's a great game. Uh, and Castle of Illusion and the second Castle of Illusion, which was called World of Illusion. Yep. Uh, I like those because they're Disney, Mickey, and Donald games, yeah. and they're real fun platformers. Um, and then they also announced, and this was a big deal, Castlevania Bloodlines, which you know I've played. A lot of people say it's the best Castlevania game out there. I don't know if I agree because I, I like the original, the first one, the most. But it's putting that on this mini you know, they've, they've now announced about 20 games of the 40 and they're all, you know, real solid titles. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I love the idea of those things. And I think, I think those should a hundred percent exist for people that are really into that stuff, but really could, could you just release all 40 of those on my switch? It would make my life just better. <laughs> I don't need a little hardware doodad, but those are great games. Um, Earthward Jim is actually getting remade right now too i believe yeah they're getting um, a for realsies remake yeah yeah but the cast illusion games are great too i have uh those are i'm trying to remember if it was castle illusion or world of illusion or both but uh, those were ported to the xbox 360 and they're backwards compatible uh on the xbox so you can play that um although they're not for sale you can't buy them anymore like you had to actually own them already and then they made them they took them off the store and made them backwards compatible the same day for licensing reasons i think so if you already own them you still have them but you can't go and buy them so but i was one of the lucky ones so it's good so and then the last bit of news uh there are more ROM sites shutting down. Oh, no. uh, Emu Paradise, uh, a European ROM site, just shut down. So bad or good, you know, it's kind of interesting as we're talking about all these people bringing out their the mini versions of their consoles and looking at their old IP. You know, it seems to be like as as everyone starts to look into their back catalog, they also are starting to crack down on, you know, these ROM sites for better <laughs> they, or worse. They realized there was some money there and. Uh... Uh-huh. I think the thing is, is I would be so much more 
it is their it is their license. It is theirs to do with as they wish. It is theirs to defend legally as much as they wish to or not. But I think I would feel better about this entire thing if every time someone cracked one of those open, they were like, oh, hey, yeah, this is just running a open source emulator off the Internet using ROMs that probably were also downloaded off the Internet. You know, like it's. I, I get it, but nah. so actually, that's really funny that you say that. A couple of episodes of the 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 main Bite Me podcast ago, you guys were talking about the big Capcom controller. Yeah, yeah, that's so. So silly. I don't know if you saw there are they're using they they cracked that open and started to look at what uh, emulators they're using to run those games. One of them is not to be used for profit. Oh, it's actually shoot. written into the license. So they've developed this entire thing and now they're getting sued by, you know, half the developers of this, you know, open source, not to be used for profit. Um, you know, anyway. I'm, I am absolutely okay with that. Like, I think that's entirely fair. If if you haven't seen that Capcom thing, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you call it a controller or if you call it a system, but I mean, it, it is a controller. It is literally the word, the logo, the Capcom logo with two controllers built into the top of it. That is going to have, I'm going to say 15 games built into it. Something like that. And like it's it's amazing, except that I have no idea how two players could actually play on that. Like literally, no idea how two players could play on that. It's the dumbest looking thing I've ever seen. Go go look at, find a video of the Capcom controller logo thing. So whatever, it's all good. Are we are we gonna talk about are we gonna talk about fighting games now? We can talk about fighting games. Um, so I think we should set a definition first because we always do that, right? We had to set it with the beat-em-ups and things. So this is two on-screen characters controlled by two humans or human versus a CPU. Um, okay. So there are other types of fighting games perhaps. And, you know, the, in the early days, the beat-em-ups and the shmups, they kind of all got lumped in. But, you know, it, tonight's episode, let's just talk about fighting games. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything that this leaves out that I don't want it to, but I think that that is... Uh, we can always talk about that with an asterisk. Perfect. Sure. We can always yeah, yeah, asterisk yeah. it. But I, I've looked through this list, and there's some, there's some great stuff. So tell me about the very, very, very first fighting game. I was surprised by this. So this is 1976. Sega puts out Heavyweight Champ, and it's literally two blocks punching at each other from left and right of the screen. Um, there was no CPU, so it was two humans. But the, the controls were basically two boxing gloves, and you would just push either one forward and back, right? And you'd hit the other thing. Um, Sega actually re-released this in the 90s um, to look more like um, uh, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, right? So oh, you're sure. sitting, instead of side-by-side, side, you're looking behind to the other guy. Um, and I mean, just for comparison like 1976 was a long time ago oh, like, yeah. that was old 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 so i mean that's older than at least two-thirds of this podcast maybe all three <laughs> i mean i was yeah. born that year so I yeah, mean, yeah. <laughs> so um, depending on what part of that i mean that's a long time ago yeah this is before the big arcade boom right so this is back yep. you know pinball and mechanical things are still the rage, right? You had Pong and things like that and Space War that were out, but yep. but you know, not much was, else. No, that was about it. It was the very beginning. All right, next up, 1984, and this is one of my favorites. I loved this game. So this is Karate Champ. This is the one everyone says started it. You know, Heavyweight Champ really, quote-unquote, was the first, but Karate Champ popularized it. This is the one I was talking about before, and I actually have one in my collection um, it's two joysticks per player. One joystick moves you. One joystick is your attack. And then depending on how you move those two joysticks, you successfully punch the other person. Interesting. I did not know that. I've only ever played this um, on the Commodore 64. So I did not know. So it's actually each person has two joysticks. Yep. And like probably if you go up, it's punch and, or up, it's punch and down, it's kick. Oh, it's all there's there's uh, a whole matrix, right? So there's up, down, left, right for each joystick, and it's like you're driving a tank, but it's really a human. Interesting. Um, <laughs> and literally, you know, on the on the uh, on the the bezel, it has like a matrix, you know, a, a five by five yeah. grid or an eight by eight grid of what you can the moves each move do, um, which it makes it makes Karate Champ um, kind of like 
I don't, you know, Virtua Fighter, where it was kind of a slower game, mm-hmm. you know, where the, you know, some of the fighters were super speedy and you'd zip around the screen jumping and stuff. Whereas Karate Champ was more of like, okay, now I got to do this and that. And your guys would move very slowly towards each other. Mm-hmm. And then more like it was rock, a very much a game of like rock, paper, scooting scissors, almost. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It was a very much a game of like scooting closer to your opponent and hoping that you could do like that one scoot that was going to get you close enough to kick them without them being able to kick you first. Um, such a cool game. And I, I loved the like, what do we want to call those? Because to me, they were always like interstitials where you'd have to jump over the bowl that came at you or um, you're the the where you're breaking boards. The bonus um, levels. Bonus is stage. that how it worked? That's how it worked, though, right? Like yeah. if you won, you got to, to do it. It's been a long time. Yeah. yeah Street Fighter 2 had one of those where you beat up the car. Car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Karate Champ was a huge game for me as a kid. Um, and now I'm kind of curious how I played them with a joystick because obviously you just had, I mean, on the Commodore, you just had a joystick. So it must have been a, like a combination of uh, like movement and button pushing or something. I, I don't, I do not recall. I guess it had a standard Commodore joystick probably had two buttons. So I wonder if one was kick and one was punch. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. I don't know. That that was definitely one of those games that I broke a lot of controllers playing. <laughs> Not because it was frustrating, but just because you do a lot of like quick back and forth, back and forth, and just beating those controllers to hell. My dad, that and uh, track and field, uh, which was like to run, you flip the joystick back and forth really fast. We went through so many joysticks playing those games and they weren't cheap i wouldn't assume no no so that's really funny because like so uh, you remember summer games and california games mm-hmm. and winter games those were all that same way where you had to bat the joystick back and forth really fast so what epics also made the epics made those games right summer games winter games they also made joysticks <laughs> see that's smart that's yeah. that's that's thinking in you know 3039 not not nowadays it's good it's real good all right next up is a game that i'm hoping that you know how to can like pronounce because i sure don't did you have something to say dylan sorry well i was just gonna say briefly that i find it interesting that even in the like the very first fighting games it was very much about combo button presses which is basically what fighting games are like that is what they are is knowing which direction and which button to press to do all your different punches and uppercuts and even from day one it was they had that in mind that i mean there's so many different um, like moves that you would do in martial arts so that you would have to find a way rather than just punch and kick like because that maybe like that's what I think what you would think the first the first fighting game would be it was like rock'em sock'em robots right but it yeah. it sounds like it really was more than that even from the beginning yep definitely that's 100 oh, yeah. right yeah karate champ was neat because it had like real karate moves right you do a right. side kick a front kick you know a spinning roundhouse things like that right and those things obviously they wouldn't have put them in if they didn't have their application right so if one if one when somebody was trying to punch and then you hit him with the high kick i'm sure you won that encounter um so like that's pretty cool to be i mean what your what did we say that was 1984 84 like you were already that's a pretty complex game in reality for yeah. something so new at the time well, I, I would guess i wasn't there so I'm, you've played this game 20 years more recently than i have hans does it like tell you on the screen what attack you're doing yeah it does it, so yeah. when when you so this game karate champ doesn't have health bars right like every other game we you know as a yep. fighting game does it's you if you land it's just like a karate tournament right if you land a punch the guard the the uh, judge throws a flag and says yeah. sidekick one point you know or yep that's exactly it so it's been a, it's been a while but man that's good all right so 1985 um please tell me how to pronounce this game so this is yinar kung fu nice um this is a game that i played like mad on my Commodore 64. My sister and I would actually would play this all the time. She actually got one of her nicknames from that game, but I'm going to, well, yeah, we'll pass that. It's, it's Yi, right? Yeah. You call Yee. your sister Yi. No, it's one of the character names. And it's I, anyways, um, but, <laughs> so this game actually introduced, uh, you know, karate champ. You were two karate guys, right? <laughs> Red or white. <laughs> Correct. This game, you actually had, you know, five or six different characters you could choose from. There was one that threw throwing stars. There was one that had a sword. There was a big fat guy that could launch himself across the screen. Nice. You know, I mean, it, so this is where that came from. And they actually added projectiles to the game. So like the, you know, the throwing star lady would throw throwing stars. 
Oh, I have 100%. It's so weird f- to look back at these games and like I'm I'm like I've never played that game before and then I go and look at screenshots I'm like oh I've a hundred percent played this game before it was uh on the Nintendo as well I was it okay yeah I did yeah. not know that now I'm gonna yeah. have to go find it <laughs> um, but yeah the year kung fu it was in the arcade for a while it wasn't that big in the arcade because I think karate champ at the time was still uh overshadowing it however yep. It was it was a good game, and it added you know the projectiles. That was where that came in first. Yep, super cool game. Also available on the BBC Micron, Acorn Electron, the Armstrad CPC, and the ZX Spectrum. Hmm. (laughs) It's a lot of early PCs, right? (laughs) Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, uh, moving on to uh, staying in 1985, I I suppose. Uh, International Karate. Yeah, so this was an Epics game. The same guys that made California Games and Winter Games. Um, they put it out only on PC. This was never in the arcade or on console. This was PC only. Epics, I don't think, actually ever made any games outside of uh, PCs. Um, this one was so freaking similar to Karate Champ that they actually got sued by Data East. Um, I haven't been able to find out exactly what happened, whether it got settled out of court, but it was, you know, they didn't, the suit didn't finish. Interesting. Um, but it Very literally is, it's Karate Champ, <laughs> but, you know, uh, the backgrounds are slightly different. Very interesting. Um, I, uh, Epics, whenever I think of Epics, all I can think of is they made a G.I. Joe game for the Commodore 64. They did. And uh, I just remember, like, Epics, they had a big logo that I think must have played somewhere. That That is 100%. Those two things are always tied in my head and how slow that game loaded. Yes. The, um, that was why the fast load cartridge on the Commodore 64 was a requirement for that game. Right. Oh, it's so crazy. All uh, right. So now now we're probably getting to the first, uh, first game, or at least the first named game that people will recognize that maybe aren't into the more retro stuff. 1987. And this is... You know, you have to assume if there was a Street Fighter 2, there was a Street Fighter 1. This is that game. And it is there. We have Street Fighter 1 in 1987. Very, it went over okay. However, it just, it didn't do very well because most of the time it was broken. Um, They did, they tried to, Capcom tried to do something really innovative where they had these pressure buttons that kind of felt like you were pushing a balloon and depending <laughs> on how hard how hard or how hard you hit or push that button would be how what kick or punch you did the problem with that is you had kids beating on these buttons and they failed of course like anybody who's ever worked with the public looks at that and goes i mean like just regular arcade games get the crap beat out of them and so adding something that is a you know a, a little balloon like it's gonna last what three maybe four days maybe maybe yeah I mean, it added blocking, it added jumping, but, you know, I don't think it really pushed the boundaries or anything. It did have different characters. Uh, it wasn't, like, the massive amount of characters we saw in Street Fighter 2 or whatever, but it. And I think, you know, it kind of just came and went. Yeah. So... The you know we're gonna we're gonna skip forward a couple years uh, out of the eighties and into the nineties and then we're gonna talk and we're gonna talk about the the big one at least the big one for me like this is this to me is the first fighting game that I really loved and that is uh, Street Fighter Two, which I mean I think it's hard to explain to someone who was not playing games in the early nineties like you could go to any arcade. And I mean, that could have been in an arcade. This could have been in a movie theater. It could have been anywhere. And that game, first of all, was going to be there. And there was probably going to be a crowd. Like there was going to be people gather around that game, like literally putting quarters down for next. Definitely. A Street Fighter 2 and and Mortal Kombat, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, really, you know, we had the arcade crash of the 80s. Um, where the hot, the home consoles came in and were actually able to, you know, to compete with the arcades. So the arcades went downhill because people weren't going to the arcades. They could play yep. at home. Street Fighter and these these multiplayer experiences, right, were what brought people back to the arcades um, for a while. And Street Fighter, <laughs> you know, for a while. And then, yeah, yeah. you know, then we had Xboxes and things that, you know, could do that again. 
you know, the, the, the consoles back then just didn't have the five or six buttons. Right. Yep. So. Yeah. Playing. I was a, I was a decent street fighter two player, like not, not spectacular. Like street fighter is not a game that I ever beat in the arcade, but it is a game that like I could get to M bison in, um, with, you know, some quarters, um, but playing it at home was a nightmare because on the SNES, unless you had parents who were willing to put down the cash to buy a fighting stick, which my parents were certainly not willing to, um, you had to play with, uh, you know, you only had four face buttons on the SNES controller and then you have to use your uh, bumpers for your third buttons. And it was just not it was just not good, which was actually, I think, one of the reasons that a lot of these games were actually slightly better on the Genesis because you had those six front buttons that uh, that made a lot of difference. So, Interesting. But, yeah, I... I never I, would have realized that because I've only ever played it on the SNES or uh-huh. enough on the SNES to know that was it. And I never would have made that connection that yeah, that yeah it was much more challenging. It was way more challenging, especially if you were really used to playing it in the arcade. It was it was really hard to get used to those, the timing on those. And I mean, well, so that's, is, oh, so you, you first, you finish. Uh, I was going to say that you know the controllers were good, but I don't think they were quite that good you know they the the timing was very well and doing like uh like say for a hadouken where you're kind of spinning across the bottom like it's very easy with a joystick and that's really really hard with a (laughs) d-pad like really hard with a d-pad well and the d-pads just weren't you know the the they weren't as responsive right and that's that's actually something that capcom really did right with street fighter 2 is they revamped the whole control scheme in the motherboard right so you know games would you know look for it right so when you're writing a code you have to look for input every x seconds not seconds but every millisecond or whatever right so in this they were actually they used a faster processor that was able to take the inputs that much faster so in the arcade it actually made a huge difference you could have these you know 15 different special moves per person that actually included a, a joystick move and three or four button presses within you know a very limited amount of time and the game could actually pick up on that. Yeah. Um, and I think at home, your Nintendo D pad just wasn't capable of that. Just not up to snuff. And I think this is probably also where um, people started. Like I am not a fighting game guy. I, I said that and it's hundred percent true. But when I hear people that are fighting game guys talk about it, um, you know, it is a game that is based on frames. Like it is knowing where there is a, uh, you know, a frame that you can interrupt in an attack, a frame where you can block in an attack. And that is absolutely insanity to me. But it it means that frame rate and uh, frame rate both in how many frames per second, but also frame rate in a very like we are always going to get 30 frames a second. Um, is is super important, way more so than in all the other games that people claim it's super important in. Well, and so. that's you know going back to what I was saying about Smash earlier, where my you know my eighteen year old godson likes playing it on a CRT because there's not the input lag, right? Yep. LCDs yep. have an input lag, right? A CRT is not going to have that input lag, and if you, like you say, if you're counting frames, you can't count frames accurately on an LCD. And I my reaction times are so slow that I could be playing it on like. I don't know, <laughs> something that, like, it's four frames a second. It'll be fine. It'll be absolutely fine. Anyway, uh, so this is something I am not familiar with. We're going to talk 1992, which like, we're getting to the time where I was almost in junior high here. So this is, <laughs> this is approaching. Dylan would be alive. Hey, Yay! Dylan's alive. <laughs> Congratulations, Dylan. Uh, Sego did a, a Holiseum game, and I do not know what that is. So tell me. So this, I wanted to mention this. It's kind of a one-off they did. They, uh, it's... It's incredible. I, I want you guys somewhere to see one of these some days. So it's a huge white dome, maybe comes up about to, you know, lower chest level. And inside this dome is a hologram of oh, fighters. That right? sounds so cool. And in 1992, when I walked into Aladdin's castle and saw this, I was like, what is this? What is going on? I'm so excited. Um, the problem was, uh, that to generate, it wasn't really holograms, right? They, it was mirrors and some mirrors. projectors and stuff, and that's fine. It looked really cool because these guys were fighting in midair inside this black space, this Coliseum. Um, the problem was the input lag was really bad, and so the moves wouldn't work, and so and 
because when it came out, it was such an expensive game versus other arcade games. This was also the start of where games started to cost 50 cents or a dollar. Yep. You know, and then it also broke down a bunch. So that would, you know, and people back then were like a dollar for a video game. Let's I'll be completely frank. We're 30 years in the future from there. And I'm like a dollar for a video game. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so you may not know the answer to this, but uh, back in the day, I played another uh, hologram game that seems like it was like a time traveling time thing. Traveler. It's the like, same cabinet. It, <laughs> we got there. That yep. game was so damn dope like i played that at the nickel arcade so i only played 10 cents to play it as opposed to a dollar and i was terrible at it but even knowing that it was not an actual hologram because you could see the mirrors you could see all that stuff that game was amazing so i i've never seen one of these but that sounds so cool it's the exact same chassis they actually the the holiseum game they replaced it because of the input lag with your time traveler game Super cool, super cool. See, was Time Traveler reminding me? Was it kind of a like a uh, not Dungeons and Dragons, um, Dragon's Layer kind of game where it was kind of like dodging in the right direction to move the game forward? Yeah, it, for the exact same problem, the input lag was so bad. Yeah, they just you know. We should talk about Dragon's Layer someday. We're going to talk we, about Dragon's Layer. We could right? do a whole show on Dragon's Layer. Oh, mm. Anyway, that's how you got the secret of Nim, you know. Um, <laughs> Neo Geo SNK, uh, Art of Fighting, another game that I've not played. So Art of Neo Geo about this time is when they, and SNK, I guess, they they just jumped in hardcore, right? So we had Art of Fighting, we had um, uh, Samurai Showdown and that whole series, you know. And th this is kind of when SNK came out, you know, you had Metal Slug, Streets of Rage. So SNK yep. just kind of took a dump kind of on the market with just these amazing games, right? You know, everyone of, of video games though. Correct. Video yes. game dump. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They, you know, they just released an amazing amount of games on the market in the very early nineties there. That's super cool. Inside of them, you know, Samurai Showdown is still one of my favorite fighting games. So it's and I've played Samurai Showdown. It's very, very good. All right, next up, Midway Games, um, which I actually uh, they they were local to me at one point in time. Um, Midway had a, a development house in Salt Lake. Did QA there. Uh, 1992, they released a very small game that you may or may not have heard of. It was called Mortal Kombat. It was. And so this was interesting because not only did you have all those special combo moves, but you had fatalities. Finish him. And you had the and the characters look great. Well, they look great <laughs> back then because they were digitally recorded. Right. So they were actors that they had recording doing all these moves. So it wasn't sprites. It was sort of vid cap. Yeah, it was the, a very early video motion capture um and you can find a lot of this stuff on youtube if you search for this it's fun to see some of the mocap they did back then for this um but this made a huge hit this really helped bring arcades back for a little bit because it was so bloody right yep. um and then of course parents hated it and that's what happens you know every few years you you know you have it's, to have a moral panic about something. You do, and this was a good moral panic, right? So, I like, mean, 1992, the moral panic was probably uh, Mortal Kombat, and I'm going to guess Dungeons and Dragons. That seems like a, a good year for, for that. It, it, Maybe heavy metal music. I'm sure. It's, it's, always, it's always Dungeons and Dragons and heavy metal Heavy music. metal. Yeah. I, I was never a big Mortal Kombat guy. Like, I was okay with, at it, but it never really... It always seemed way cheesier to me than Street Fighter, so... Um, and, like... That game did not age. Like, that game did not age at all. <laughs> like, I, I was trying to show it to my kid because that's the kind of good parent I am. I'm like, hey, so in 1992, there's a moral panic about this game. Kids your age couldn't play this. Come over here and check, take a look at this. And I loaded it up. I was like, oh. <laughs> oh. And it's like, finish him. I'm like, I don't know how. <laughs> the guy just falls down. I'm like, I'm sorry that was so anticlimactic, Carter. I'm, I promise you, 30 years ago, you would have been blown away. <laughs> It's good um, stuff. Because of the moral panic, though, it's kind of interesting. Uh, Nintendo, when they released it, because everybody put Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter out on their consoles, uh, the SNES version did not have blood. Yep. Sega marketed that they had blood, though. So everybody yep. that wanted the blood at their home console went with the Genesis. Um, however, there was a, a cheat code you could enter to get the blood of back. Of course, of it's course, of course. This is just about the time when I was going to start working video game retail. That was a big thing in the like early to mid-90s of like, oh, no, no, this game has blood. 
yeah, when you shoot, that guy has blood, but the blood's green, so he's obviously not a human. So that's fine. You can murder aliens with green blood from now until Tuesday. That's absolutely fine as long as it's not red. Such a weird time. Such a weird time. Um, so this, we're going to get to 1993. That was, uh, I think, my first year in high school. Um, and this is my favorite fighting game of all time. 1993's. Yes. Sega's Virtua Fighter series, which I loved so much. Oh man, we're going to totally disagree because I did not like Virtua Fighter. That's okay. It's okay. Um, (laughs) it was so slow. Virtua Fighter 1 and 2 are the only fighting games that I have ever beat. So I've actually beat both of those in the arcade. Um, I don't remember if it's 1 or 2. I think it's 2. You actually fight a reflection of yourself in a swimming pool. and But the reflection of yourself is made of like liquid metal. And it was absolutely insane. I love these games so much. Um, it seems like I played as like the Native American character, which in 1992, 293 was probably just fine looking back <laughs> from 2019 was some probably problematic at the very least but i i like that game a lot um I, I will this is a rumor that i had heard at the time i do not know if this is true or not but uh the virtual fighter series ran at a locked 60 frames a second and i had heard that that was because the entire game was written in assembly so I I may just be spreading other rumors. Who knows? But I, I had heard that, and that game was butter. Like that game ran so smooth, absolutely gorgeous 3D fighter. Loved it. Well, I mean, for yeah, it was their first polygon fighter. So yep. I mean, it I, it makes sense that they would have to write it in assembly and have it frame locked, right? You know, yep. just because they're taking full advantage of whatever hardware they had back then. Yep, which oh, wasn't the greatest. Such a good game. Uh, 1994. This is a, another game that I've I played a little bit. Tell, did you put Clay Fighters on here? I don't think Clay no, Fighters I didn't. on here. God, no. Clay Fighters was great. Talk about probably Clay Fighters. A, this is about um, the same time. This is about the right yeah, time. Yeah, probably about right now. I, you know, I don't know if that ever had an arcade version, but it definitely had a probably SNES and probably N64 version, and it was literally Claymation Fighters. Um, and I that's literally all I remember, except that it was like playing a Wallace and Gromit you know, fighting video game. It was very cool. Very cool. But we're going to talk about Primal Rage. Yeah. So this was uh, not humans fighting each other. This was Tyrannosaurus Rexes and Cobras and Raptors and apes. So it was, uh, and this was Atari's real entry into fighting games. Um, And then they kind of went away again. (laughs) (laughs) um, I liked Primal Rage quite a bit. Um, Same. It was a good game. So. Yeah, definitely played that on uh, probably the SNES, I would guess. Uh, also in 1994, Battle Arena Toshinden, which was huge. My God, that game was so big. Um, and it kind of went away. There was a sequel or two, but I mean, they haven't made one of those in a long time. Not so. that I know of. The reason I, I mean, other than it being huge on the PlayStation was that this one actually put you kind of in a 3D world. So where it wasn't just 2D back and forth anymore, uh, you know, and I, I should say Virtual Fighter did this a little bit too, but you could actually sidestep things yep. and move around in a 3D kind of world. Yeah, um, good stuff. I wonder how many, how many, I'm going to have to look that up. I'm curious how many of those, I know there was a second one and maybe a third one, but I, I don't remember how much further they went than that. Uh, again, 1994 was a good year for fighters. Uh, Rare and uh, Nintendo brought out uh, Killer Instinct. Yeah, so uh, this was their answer to uh, Primal Rage, right? So. Yep. You had more than just dudes. You had, you know, the skeleton guy. I can't remember any of their names, but... This, uh, the thing I will tell you about Killer Instinct is that it was the very, very first time that a Nintendo game had used the word kill. You never kill Bowser. You defeat Bowser. And they'd always used, like, synonyms for the word kill, defeat, vain, you know, whatever. Uh, and this was the first time that Nintendo actually used the word kill. Hmm. Uh, this is, now this is a game that I don't get. 1994, uh, King of Fighters, and I've played like recent King of Fighters. I've played; they're still coming out. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand how this game works at all. Like I played it in our, I played it at uh, at um, I don't know. I played it in an arcade somewhere, and I loaded up, and I was like, I just died. I had no idea what was going on. Such a weird game. So, King of Fighters. You know anything about it? I have not. Uh, that's one I have not played. Usually, yeah. if it's a Neo Geo, I'm playing. Samurai Showdown. Yeah, so, that's good. Good choice. Uh, so I guess real quick, Dylan, where are you in these games? Which of these have you played? Um, Killer Instinct. I think. It was two, but <laughs> a later one when it was on N sixty four. 
Yep. Yeah, there was the Killer Instinct on N sixty four was really good. Yeah. That game's, I mean, that game's still around. Like that came out on uh, the Xbox. They released uh, kind of a cool version of Killer Instinct that I think mm-hmm. actually the base game's free, and then you pay uh, depending on which fighters you want to add to it. Yeah. So Killer Instinct still still hanging around. Uh, Namco nineteen ninety five Soul Calibur, uh, another one of my favorites. Soul Calibur was dope, and it had weapons. I think weapons were what really made Soul Calibur stand out from everything else. Uh, at least that's my recollection of it. Well, it was, you know, so, and that's, you know, the, the Neo Geo SNK stuff kind of gets pushed away because one, the, the Neo Geo home console was like $7 billion. Yep. Roughly. Um, yeah. I mean, that's very close to in today's money is probably 7 billion, but uh-huh. also in the, in the, you know, you'd go to the arcade and you'd have a four slot Neo Geo with four different games and, you know, people would pass up the fighting games and play metal slug. Yep. Yep. You know, I always thought or, those were so cool in the arcade, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love those games. Uh, Do, but, you know. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, yeah, yeah, Capcom yeah. in the mid-90s was everywhere you wanted to be. Uh, Marvel Heroes, X-Men, CODA. What's CODA stand Children for? Children of the Atom. Yes. X-Men versus Street Fighter, which is dope. Marvel versus Capcom. And then my personal favorite, Darkstalkers. I was a big Darkstalkers guy, and I don't know what it says about me, but I, I like Morgan. I like yeah. Morgan a lot. <laughs> we all know what that says about you. Yeah. Or Felicia. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. But so, yeah. So Capcom just, they, they kind of waited. They put out a few, and then in the mid-90s, they just said, here, we're going to do it right. Here's a yep. billion really awesome games. All so good. And the Marvel vs. Capcom games, you know, one, two, three, those are just amazing games, every one of them. So does, uh, you know, so based on our um, our definition of fighting games, two on-screen characters controlled by humans or a human versus CPU fighting type game, does that mean that Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo counts as a fighting game? Yes. Perfect. Capcom game, probably my favorite. Loves it so much. I think, Go buy yeah, I mean, PlayStation Classic. You can play one right now. They're $30 probably. <laughs> I mean, then I guess Tetris 99 or whatever could be. 100% is a fighting yeah. game. <laughs> All right. So, so last up, yeah, Nintendo. So they also said, hey, here's how you do it and brought out Super Smash Brothers. I have never played Super, Super Smash Bros. Any ever? Other, ever. That's real weird. Yeah. I know, right? It's super weird. <laughs> I so I got married in 1997, and um, that was like probably the year that N64 came out. I did not own one; I didn't live at home anymore. So even though my brother did own one, I never played one. Um, I never owned a GameCube. Uh, my brother did, but I never played it. Um, I did not get a Nintendo home console until the Wii, and I only owned like a game or two for it. And then I just did not get Smash Bros. on uh, on the Switch. And I don't have any friends, so I don't know who I'd be Smashing Bros. with anyway. So, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a I have a lot of Nintendo blind spots, but that's probably one of the biggest ones. I've just never played any of them. So I need to need to fix it, but just haven't done it yet. So, uh, you know, I play them. I'm no good at them. I button mash. But I think that's the that is the secret of how successful that game is, though, right? Is it's the accessible fighting game that you can play with a group of people and feel like you don't suck. Yeah. Um, and and actually kind of, you can have your own strategy too because you're not locked into a just a flat cage match with your opponent, right? You're not just stuck there with them. You can, you can use the map to your advantage. You can use characters that give you the advantage to your play style and it really has so much variety to it. And that's why it, I think succeeds. Yeah. There's items, you know, there's all kinds of things that can help you be better. You know, you can be like, Oh, I got this. And now I'm awesome for three seconds or whatever. Well, and I think it's kind of, it's, it's super accessible. So it's a really easy game to throw on and like you can play, is it only two players? It's up to four players, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so it's an easy game to put on and just like push people in. You have 10 people over your house. Like, I don't know how that would be. Like I said, I don't have friends. Um, but, uh, you know, you can have a bunch of people over your house and just cycle people in and everyone gets to play relatively quickly and it's pretty easy to pick up. And it doesn't matter if you're not great because often my experience with that type of game anyway, is that people get lucky people, you know, 
you know, are able to to win even if they're not good. So I think that's uh, I think that speaks a lot for how smart Super Smash Bros is. So Dylan owns it, I believe, right, Dylan? Mm-hmm. Someday we'll, we'll play have it a super, we'll we'll play some we'll smash. We, Dylan we'll, and I will we'll smash. super puzzle fighter turbo and and <sighs> smash at the same time. Next time our office mate is out of the office, it'll probably she, be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. She's not. She's on vacation tomorrow. That's true. Bring in the Switch. Play some. Maybe Smash. I'll maybe I'll bring in or or I'll bring in the the PlayStation Classic. Maybe I'll if I remember, it. it's right there. Anyway, that uh, I think wraps up uh, our fighting game extravaganza. That's I believe what this has been. Um, if there are ones that we didn't talk about that you'd like to to bring to our attention, which you should, please come to our Discord at bitemepodcast.com slash Discord. We talk about uh, some retro stuff, but also all sorts of other stuff. Like, it goes way outside of video games, too. Like, don't think you just have to come to our Discord to talk about video games, because um, Hans and I let our friend Tim in there. And basically and, just chokes everybody. Yeah, it's, it's real weird, but... Yeah, it's it's real strange, but it keeps the place interesting. Uh, you can also, of course, find everything we do at bitemepodcast.com. You can uh, subscribe to this podcast or follow. I've been I've been told lately that telling people they can subscribe to a podcast is bad because it makes them feel like they might have to pay for it. Our podcast is free. It will always be free. So you can follow us on uh, iTunes and uh, Google Podcasts and probably anywhere else that you uh, feel like catching a pod so you should definitely do that and you can hear us talk very very irregularly about retro video gaming but maybe who knows maybe we'll get better at it it's hard to say uh anything you guys want to say before we uh we you know take off dylan Um, just made the weirdest face i've ever seen it terrified me no i'm i've been playing a lot of games since basically been my life it's good it's good yeah i like more retro Uh, there you go yeah it's hard to do that with people online though yeah, that's all right. That's all right. We'll get it. Bite, Dylan. You already have the file somewhere? Oh, hey. Yeah, no. So it just created three new files. Okay. okay. So um, I'm a terrible host, and I guess we're just going to put this on the end. So this will be our, you know, I was before we started recording, we were talking about Waypoint, uh, one of my favorite podcasts. That it's like a little teaser after the music. So this will be our teaser after the music. People will go like, oh, wait, why is there like five minutes of stuff left after the music? I'm like, oh, that's our hidden track. Um, it'll be very good. So I'm bad at this and i forgot that uh joe Coleslaw, our good friend asked us a question and his question was so what is your go-to retro game it's like the retro game you always want to play on a rainy day that never gets old so if you could play any retro game and like or i would even say like uh like anytime i boot up my raspberry pi what's the go-to game you always want to play <laughs> god it's like making a podcast with children like literal children hans is older than me and it's like children what's your favorite retro game uh dylan that you always want to play mega man 2 it that is actually true that's 100 percent true every it's, time i've ever seen him boot up a, an nes mini it's always it's mega man just 2. mega man 2 to play that's that game choice. all the time it's a good choice and the first time i saw him do it he was terrible at it too that really the, bad that the heat man level is it heat man Fla- flame man heat i think it's heat man in Mega Man 2, it's, that level is so hard because it has like these weird, like disappearing bricks that you're supposed to jump across, but they're in like a really weird pattern. Yeah. And then you're, of course, playing it on a block of wood with um, like partially functioning buttons on it. Because NES controllers are terrible. Yeah. Like, I don't so, care what anybody says, they're terrible. Like you're asking me to do this, what is a hard platforming segment, even with a a good controller yeah. Uh, yeah so that's why it's bad good choice. i went home and beat choice. it so good. he did he's good he's he's a uh, he's high quality there how about you hans castlevania the first one mm-hmm. no that's the one that's actually not really technically a metroidvania right because there's I no mean, map 
No, well, there's a map between stages, I guess, but yeah, yeah. there's no, yeah, yeah. It's actually not. It, it, it's really because the second one was the one that actually was was actually a Metroidvania, which I think is really funny. Um, it's tough for me. I would say it probably depends on what system I'm booting up. If it's a Super Nintendo, it's probably Super Mario World. Um, unless I have a bunch of time, in which case it's another failed attempt at beating A Link to the Past, um, which I probably have 17 of, and I've never beaten that game. Um, I also really have a soft spot for Moon Patrol, um, but I'm terrible. Like, I used to be so good at Moon Patrol. I used to be so good at Moon Patrol, and I'm hot garbage at it now. Uh, maybe River Raid, too, if I'm feeling plucky. So, God. If we live stream these, will you guys be less weird? No. Or will you be more weird? River Raid's a good one. If I had an Atari, I need to get an Atari 2600. To yeah, I had a, I had a, I played it on the Commodore. It was, it was, a, it was a good game. It was a real good game. All right, Joe. Hopefully that answers your question. I apologize for forgetting about you the first time. These, <laughs> it's just how it goes, man. It's just how it goes. If it's not in my show notes, odds of me forgetting are like ninety eight percent. So, uh, hopefully that answers your question. And for those of you who stayed after the uh, the credits, thank you very much for staying. You can always uh, find us again. Bite me podcast dot com.